0: Welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Neil Rock at the Commons Collective in Ormond Hall, a beautiful art deco complex with various venues like the Moubray Bar, Rosé Garden, Conservatory, Chapel and more. I actually felt as though I would stepped back in time in the hall, which has the most beautiful wooden panelling and paintings of The Hunt and an intriguing collection of old leather boxing gloves, plus Christmas wreaths and stars and fairy lights, so a sort of ye olde English pub at Christmas time. I wanted to be in that world and I didn't want to leave. Neil met me there and took me through a complex labyrinth of passages. It was a sort of situation where you wish you had some kind of breadcrumbs to drop along the way so you can find your way back, but I took in all the various spaces and the loveliness of the building, and we eventually ended up in the office. Now, this is the kind of office I see myself in. There was a bar at one end, but that wasn't even the best bit. There's a chandelier made of antlers, walls covered in art, and big old comfy leather couches. I loved all that with an ardour, far exceeding moderation. But I loved more the conversation I had with Neil. Neil is the epitome of hospitality. He's mainly worked in catering across his career and he's all about the people, both staff and guests. He's all about uh, the food and giving people a good time. When Neil talks about what he does, his eyes sparkle. The Commons Collective is doing some pretty fun stuff over the winter months. There's Christmas in July, Yum Cha, Cabaret Thursdays, Weekend Roasts. And with Neil in charge of the food and the ambiance of that magical place, you know you're going to be in for an excellent time. Now, I started recording when I was being all awestruck all in the hall, so do come with me as I sort of breathlessly follow Neil through the back passages and up to the office. Nothing like that handheld recording feel, is there?
1: Hi Neil, I'm Jo, Jack. how are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi. <laughs> um, They
0: organise you a coffee hour? Yes. Good. Yeah, to <laughs> say come how come beautiful,
1: beautiful it is. It's yeah. what, a, what a great place to have Christmas in July. Yeah, come out really well. Yeah. Yeah. The beer garden and um, rosé garden in, in spring, summer. Oh, I bet. Very really good. Um, um, yeah. And even next door, too. So yeah. yeah, it's like
0: yeah. a hidden gem in here. I think, I think
1: maybe oh, yeah. I might have come here when it was something else. <laughs> so, yeah, it used to be the Belgian beer garden. Yes. So I mean, this is our. Oh wow! So we have cabaret here on a on a Thursday night. Um, yeah. Another little Eastern bar there. So there's little hidden places everywhere.
0: That's right. So there's are there nine different
1: pretty much spots, yeah, spaces.
0: The
1: yeah, yeah. conservatory out the front that's under the under the. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, Bruce. Can you, can you go Thank you. Yeah. Wow, um, what a lovely. No, will Thank you. Nice. We're going to go up. Is um, just need office space, don't we? For that chat. Yeah. So yeah, this goes this goes nicely. It's, um, it's a nice for this Christmas in July. Then we do the we
0: we'll do the Sunday roast thing um, for the winter. Oh, it
1: really? Feels like an English English pub, doesn't That's it? That's what he yeah, 1920s
0: English pub was what oh, he was after. I love it.
1: Um, and it's re- it's much warmer in the winter time in, inside, I and mean, then obviously during summer and spring. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Well, oh, my in-laws would love this. Mm-hmm.
1: I have to get them to come. <laughs> Take you to the back way. Just storage and storage. <laughs> Actually, another area you might want to see. Just a little courtyard. Oh wow! Um, and we have a chapel in here.
0: Goodness.
1: Okay. Which in. Um, two months time, it's <laughs> I came
0: to a wine tasting here as well, so it's all feeling very familiar. Maybe,
1: maybe. Um, so it's a beautiful There's space in there, which in two months time my son's getting married in, so. Oh, how nice. <laughs> yeah, wow. Should be cool.
0: So you oversee all of the
1: food for here? For yep. here, and the rest of the business. Yeah, gosh. So we do major adventures. Watch here. Oh. So a lot of major event work. Um, this is our retail arm, then we have our venues which we do our weddings in. Mm. Um, which is Luminaire in South Melbourne. Yes. And the glass house. I've
0: seen lots of beautiful photos of the glass house with weddings and
1: things. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's a great venue. Thank you. Just straight ahead. This is just our office. Office space up here. It's a very grand
0: light for us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Wow. Friday's a picture in the office, I think, in so, I'd happily
0: grab, have an office like this. Grab a you like. Thank you. I'll get rid of that page. So, thank you, Neil, for, no <laughs> for chatting to me and for taking me all through there. That was lovely. Um, I'm really interested, I'm interested in your journey, but I'm also interested in obviously the Commons Collective and what's happening here at the moment because there seems to be a lot happening. And when I um, was reading about the nine different venues and all the different things that were happening. Over this next period of time, it yeah. sounds amazing. So, can you just maybe run me through the cabaret so Christmas very,
1: of July? Yeah, very exciting time of the year. Um, we've got our winter collection happening. So, we've our menu changes every every season. So, it's a winter menu you at the moment, just for the, the common basic, um, which is warm um, English club style to match the bar downstairs that you've seen. Um, hearty dishes, you know, lamb, uh, barley broth, and shepherd's pies and you know, uh, soup. Um, you know, they've got the staples that we always do there as well. There's a burger. There's a chicken schnitzel, um, but, and you know, we give us a chance to do some new stuff for every season. So that's our standard. We've also bought in the Christmas in July, which is going at the moment. Um, so we just tweak the menus to bring in the, the ham and turkey feel, the uh, the pea soup, um, anything a little bit Christmassy, a croquette with turkey in it. Um, uh, and yeah, just a little bit of flavour. We've got a couple of desserts which are going you know, yeah, as a little uh, snowman uh, meringue in a in a glass, like a little snow cone. That's uh, um, snow bulb. Sorry, it's, it's going quite well at the moment as well. Um, so we have got a lot of photos on that one. Uh, we have a yum char coming up in eight days' time. So we're doing a yum char over uh, four weekends: uh, Saturday and Sunday yum chars. A lot of bottomless brunches. Um,
0: and so is a yamcha happening downstairs as well? Yep. Yeah. Yep we'll do, okay. oh, we'll, wow.
1: we'll do that. For, and
0: if I saw with with a name so is that a different is that a chef what are the chefs doing
1: there? No, it's it's that that's an alcohol, a Chinese oh, alcohol that we're ba- we're basing the cocktail, No. No, that's right, and we're basing the cocktails we're making from, from there.
0: Okay, so um, what is
1: that? Um, it's a it's a Chinese spirit that they use. I can't say the name properly, so I'm not even going to try and <laughs> do it. Um, and so we, they've come to us and we've designed some some wintry and Christmassy sort of cocktails as well as some Asian influenced cocktails. We just thought sort we'd of do a bit of a yum cha thing. Um, it's
0: cool, what a great
1: idea! So they they don't never rest on their laurels here. They're always trying to do new things.
0: I can see yes on the screen that it's a bit. <laughs> That's, it's that kind of. Yeah, was, I was going to yeah, ask you about yeah. that. So there's a lot of encouragement. We well, hospitality. Hospi- how do you even say that? Hospitalityarians. Hospitalitarians, Extraordinaire. Correct. I love it. Yeah. We think differently. Okay, so it's always
1: yeah. We try. Yeah, we try and um, try and think outside the square in a lot of ways. Mm. But it's always, always about making the customer happy. Yeah. Always about making the customer happy.
0: How long have you been with this? The big group.
1: It's the big group. I've been with them just on eighteen months. Yep. Um, they were my number one opposition for 20 years, um, so I worked for another big catering company called Peter Rolland Catering. Yeah, I was their group executive chef for 15 years, um, and then changed, changed, and did a few things. And COVID hit, so um, yeah. And this sort of came up I, I, in between. I, I did some charity stuff with um, with Fair Share just while I was waiting. Ah. Yeah, which is just wait, waiting. No, they were good to me, it was a bit of work, It got me out the house. I love fish. I used to
0: volunteer for fish year on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cricket and the team are great, yeah. so, um, and this came up, so, yeah, it was what I had done before, but the, the creative element that this company has was something I had, hadn't had before, mm. and that really excited me. Yeah. Um, and yes, in the last 18 months, some of the functions were done, and, yeah, amazing.
0: Because um, I was going to ask you, and um, this is a question that's come up, and I think I mentioned this in the email to Madeline that I wanted to talk about sustainability of chefs rather than yeah, just, just yep. the food, and how do you keep going, because um, without being offensive, no, it, no. I, I, it feels like you might have been in the industry for a while. I
1: have,
0: so... <laughs> um, um, so and I'm kind of interested because you've done a lot of catering, but did you, did you start off in catering?
1: No, so I started cooking in 85, which is a long time ago uh did my apprenticeship at the airlines and back then uh, it was a, an airline called uh, TAA, which later became Australian Airlines which is now Qantas um, but that was a domestic arm and we catered in Melbourne and did every international flight that came out of Melbourne would be catered from in that in that little that large kitchen with 70 chefs in it um, and back then uh, it was about first class and business class it was you flew, you flew you got the service so I did four-year apprenticeship there and learned to do big cooking, batch cooking, bulk cooking, as well as the intricate stuff. And, and we were, you know, we were flying Gorgonzola in from Italy. We were flying the smoked salmon would come in from from um, Scotland. Uh, the chocolates we did flown in from Belgium. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it was all that sort of produce yeah. I got to play with. But it was in big numbers. Mm. Uh, and that sort of excited me. Um, I did that and I thought I'd better learn a bit of... Uh, Bit of the restaurant scene so i did um a stint at a little restaurant in the city called dom's which was italian uh, it was pretty popular at the time um, mediterranean field but ma- mainly italian and pasta um, all, the, all the footballers used to get there and so sort of that became a, a place and then i thought i would better get some hotel experience so i did that a little, little travel lodge airport uh, airport travel lodge at tullamarine which i think is still there um, did that but that was during the pilot strike uh, which was a long time back and that became one of the busiest hotels in Melbourne because all the delayed flights used to just get offloaded in there Ooh. so you'd have no one in there and all of a sudden 120 delayed passengers would come in and we'd have to start cooking for them so that was the experience uh, from there I went and worked for a big catering company and after a couple of Air Force bases just to learn how to manage people yeah. and and manage food costs and do that sort of stuff um, in the Flemington Racecourse. I became the exec zoo at Flemington Racecourse under Peter Rowland Catering, uh, and that was the experience doing um, all the Melbourne Cups and all the racing.
0: I do, I'm always a, just thinking about the, the number and the, the number of people, the volume of mm. food that goes through that, and, and each dish has to be consistent. That's a really that's a big thing, and it's all coming out at the same time, rather than um, perhaps in a restaurant where it's a bit more staggered. So that's.
1: Consistency is, is the, the perfect word to use and yeah. um, it's something I've always tried to do is being yeah. a consistent, you know, consistently good or consistently very good but, but consistent, not having the, the low periods and yeah. uh, not taking the shortcuts but being, you know, there. Um, and with catering it was like trying to bring, for me it was trying to bring restaurant quality that you had the time to do to the big numbers mm. and, and working on the, the background, how to do that. Is that a thrill, or is it anxiety-inducing? <laughs> both. Yeah. Both, both. I mean, I still, get, I still get goosebumps, not goosebumps, but I still look for appreciation and comment from when I cook for my family at home over a night yeah. time. I still, it still gives me a buzz, making people, getting people to enjoy what I do. Yeah. Um, so in, in a nutshell, that's why I'm still in catering. Um, but also, the young ones coming through, keep me excited they, the new the new way they're they're much more level than we were back in my day yeah. they're, they're they they do not take the rubbish that we not i didn't have to take it and i didn't take it because i was a, fit, a boy but uh back then you, you know there was a lot of past happening in the kitchen and you you sort of put up with it you'd hear about it i didn't i was lucky enough i didn't have that experience um but these young ones these days they just don't put up with any of that they just yeah. they're, and they're just good at it you know, they, they they're probably they're probably keener. Not keener. I could not say that. They're probably not as scared of trying new things as we. We, we. we try that, but we're trained to try it. If you know what I mean.
0: Yes, and I think it does sound as though the environment um, earlier on. Um, you know, you didn't want to put a foot wrong, so it's harder to experiment and try yeah. things if you're yeah. afraid of making mistakes yeah. or being yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting.
1: Um, so yeah, and then from from Flemington, I took over as a group exec, as I said, for Peter Rowland. Opened the Belmont Museum in two thousand as oh. an chef there, um, which was a great venue to open.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then opened a lot of venues since. Opened, you know, done interstate openings and and restaurants. Left Peter Rowland, and opened um, a little place called King Godfrey for the Orbiter family. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was an experience. That was great. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, probably one of my career highlights of going to Italy for a couple of weeks and eating and drinking for two wow. weeks. That's that was what my job was with the, with the family. They took me over there and yeah, that was Amazing. really cool. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. So all around Italy or? Uh, mainly the
1: north, because that's what we're base their, their food on. But I mean, we started off in Rome and then mainly the north. But yeah, it was just great, just trying you know, every type of deli and restaurants and trying to try and get a feel that a feel for, that, for what it was. So that was, yeah, I opened that and that was, a, that was a buzz when it opened. Yeah. And then I took over for head of food and beverage at the showgrounds. Did that for 12 months and then COVID hit in and then I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow.
0: It's good, and, and I like the way, I mean, it sounds to me like you're, you're sort of the epitome of hospitality, because I'm listening to you talk about, you know, helping out with fair share and so on as well. For you, it is about um, the people as much as it is oh, um, the food, and I, and I love that. Mm. <laughs> it's, um,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's getting big groups of people and, and, you know, walking and doing a function, and you've got, you know, the a long, a longest lunch or a big sprint carnival or whatever, and you know you've got 50 or 60 back-of-house staff that you need to employ from. The kitchen hand, the runner, the comedy chefs, the chefs in charge, and people looking after ovens, and so you do build up the relationships over the years, and, mm. and yeah, you stay pretty tight.
0: And we talk a lot about well-being these days, and um, I was just talking to Michael Smith, who's um, at Hubert Estate, but also just overseeing the Prince Hotel. And in the past, when I've spoken to um, Dan Hunter at the Prince, he talked about. How they've got things in place for well-being, so doing yoga together mm. and uh, maybe having smoothies at the end of the night rather than knock-off beers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what what do you think about that? Is it how do you yeah, how do you see well-being in the it's,
1: industry? It's, it was probably COVID. It's probably helped a lot to stop stop and actually think about what what we do and, and how how we do it. Um, I always try to have a balance, you know. And especially you know, catering was great for me. Um, for having three young sons back in the day, and who are now all grown men, um, but be able to see them grow up more than, you know, I did the restaurant thing, and you are sort of chained to that restaurant from dusk till dawn and, and, you know, and go again. Uh, and not the catering's not like that when it's busy, but there is the spells. Um, so yeah, it's definitely try, trying to do a work-life balance. And I've always, the staff I've always worked with and worked for me is always know that family's first. So if someone comes in, the, the, the child's sick, or the wife's not feeling well, or the husband's not, whatever, and they need to go home, they go home. Like, it's just, we just deal with, and that's always been a motto of mine, family first. Um, they're better at looking after themselves now than what we did. Yeah, the, the, you see the knock-off drinks that used to turn off into finding a pub and finishing off until, you know. Um, and I do, yeah, then there's also the escape to something that, to relax you. I, I fly fish, that's my, that's my escape. Um, yeah probably twice a year. Um, I definitely go once a year over to Tasmania and I spend nine, eight or nine days fly fishing on the Great Lake. There's no one else except for a few mates, and my brother-in-law and friends, um, and we'll go and we'll fish for and maybe catch something, maybe not, but it's just a, you know, it's a recharged battery and, yeah, that's... That's
0: good. And, because I wonder too, um, I'm a French teacher as well as a, mm-hmm. a writer, and um, and so we often are replaying things in our minds and thinking of, you know, I think for the teacher, we always say it's never, we never, can never really relax from it. Is it like that
1: for a uh, for you uh, Are you constantly that's...
0: thinking about how you can do things better or?
1: Every function, every you know, function you do, you know, and you, I mean, you virtually high five yourself or the team after a good function. And you know when you've got one, and 90% of the time, they're good. But when you get a really good one, it's like that, that great feeling. But you're always going home, driving home from that function thinking, Should I have done this better? If I twisted that, would that have worked better? That person needs a bit of help on whatever. Um, They don't gel as a team. Those two people. So we'll just know that for next time. Or so it's about the people and the food and knowing that you know or or that particular dish worked really well. Like keep that, make some twists on it for next season. Um, And but at the end of the day, it's it's what you want, but it's also what the client's expectations are. Mm. Um, You know, if they want a twenty-dollar Parmigiana. It's got to be the best twenty dollar parmigiana. Yes. If they want a, you know, a two hundred fifty dollar, you know, whatever it is, that's you know, it's making yeah, their expectations.
0: And and so we, so I, th- I guess yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Coming up with menus that fit the budget, um, and and how much we talked about creativity before. How much, how much say do you have in the menu and the creativeness of it? And I guess that's also. Um, Squashed a bit by budget. Yeah, <laughs> correct. So you,
1: you you're looking at that. You're looking at the venue, and you're looking at the you know. Okay, let's do Christmas in July. You know, I can I could buy in whatever, or I can make whatever, but it's it's what the budget and what the client wants yeah. to pay. You know, and we're lucky here at the big group. We've got some really big clients, so we've got the expectations to buy the best too. Mm. But then we've got the ones that will come down and they just want a, a bowl of soup. And bread. so it's got to still be a good bowl of soup. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's still right. going to be the, the best bowl of soup we can make. And
0: and I guess you, I mean you've got a repertoire of you know a few years behind you mm-hmm. of cooking, but um, in terms of ideas and inspiration, do you do you still look in books or on yeah. I don't know? Yeah. Um, Instagram. Yeah. Everywhere. Point?
1: Everywhere. So yeah, books. Well, I was always a book person. I have to, and I'm still at home. All my books are around me um and yeah it, yeah i'll, I'll google at like the best of them i'll uh, read what's going on i share with the team as well so you know there's a head chef here uh, that looks after the venue there's a head chef for, for the whole underneath the, the, for the whole lot of it as well there's a head chef for production um, they've got their team so i go to them and, and say right we're looking at spring summer menu any ideas bring to me anything you've seen any restaurants you've been to you know and we all we will share and say that wasn't worked or you know but again it's it's giving the client what they want and for a wedding unfortunately not unfortunately but it's beef chicken lamb fish <laughs> yeah. yeah and a vegetarian option trying to keep the dietaries included into it um so it's yeah it's and using the seasonal produce that's sort of on trends a bit of asian fusion a bit of mediterranean a bit of italian a bit of japanese whatever you know so yeah. trying to trick that into, not trick it, but put that into it for flavours. It's, it's trying to, I'm a big believer in using great produce and, and I say I'm lucky enough and i always been lucky enough to be able to have the clients and buy that produce. So, but I don't, I don't trick it up too much. I let the produce talk for itself. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Uh, are you still on the
0: pans? Cause you, I mean, you're overseeing a
1: lot of people, but you still. Occasionally, yeah. No, sorry, yeah. No, not occasionally. So when we do on a, on a Thursday night here, we have the cabaret. Yes. Um, and that's fun and we have, a, it's, it's, it's fun but they all come in at the same time, so they've got to be, I think it's ten, a quarter past eight, they've got to walk in the door, they usually book their table for seven o'clock, between six thirty and seven, and it's seven fifteen. 120 do- people come in with dockets, so on a Thursday night that's what I call my pennants, and I come in and I jump on the pants with the guys here yeah. um, What
0: sort of food are they
1: having at the cabaret? So I, it's uh, a, a pasta so it's a beautiful tortellini with some pumpkin and ricotta um, it's a, a burger, if they want to have the burger it's a, what, the winter soup it is the fish barramundi with a, a um, Italian remolata um, it's a board, a, few, a couple of desserts, so it's it's quick, it's clean and it's you get it up, it's before they sit down for the cabaret and then they may take a dessert and sit, sit in there. Um, so yeah, I do that every Thursday night, the cabaret's on for fun. For, it's a bit of fun for me. It's also great to be with the team here on the Thursday. Um, function wise, yeah, oh, um, if there's a big function, I'll be in, out there. Um, yeah. So weddings up out in, the, out in the countryside, you know, I'll if for the, the right ones, not all of them I can be at, but a lot of them I'll be at. Uh, we do tastings for all the the venues for the the wedding so we do these group tastings so you know the up to 20 couples will come in on a, on a night and we'll present a tasting of the meals and i'll sit down with all the clients and have a, a guest and, clients and have a chat with them and talk about their menu and stuff like that so yeah it's still definitely hands-on nice that's mm. good i like that
0: yeah and i like i mean you're, you're talking and your eyes are really lighting up so you're <laughs> still very enthusiastic about what you do i love that um and what you know, thinking about winter warmers and so on, what for you, like personally, not cooking for anyone else, but you eating, what would be your ideal winter meal or experience? Oh,
1: okay. Uh, experience. It's probably a long time ago, nearly 30 years, we went to, uh, for our honeymoon, we went around Europe. And my wife and I, well, I remember going to France, and I can't, I think, it's probably in the western yeah, part of, I can't exactly remember where, but there was a cafe and I remember ordering a, a tagliatelle, and it had chanterelles and rabbit and cream <gasps> and a glass of wine and it was lunchtime. Yeah. And I just, I still, it still sticks in my mind that dish. for yeah. yeah. It was just amazing. Mushrooms, rabbit, pasta. Delicious. Yeah, it was delicious. Um, but then also, you know, as, as being a young one, I think, and this is what got me probably into, into food and cooking, was my, my family. Um, that. I'm one of eight. So we would sit around the table and there was like a, two groups. There was the young ones and the older the brothers and sisters always thought, well, it just happened like that way. And so as I was one of the younger little ones, they called us, and we would sit at the table with the older brothers and sisters and hear about their day when mum cooked um, and we all had dinner together. And that was sort of, that was what got me excited about family uh, talking, but food was, was part of what, you know, what was there, so. Um, and I remember, you know, shanks, lamb shanks were an off cut and yeah. mum would make a, a, a lamb and barley broth. So that's something i put on here because it's just a, a great dish. Um, a, a, an Italian chef I worked with did me osso bucco, bucco oh, a few years back, a long time back actually. It was the first time I actually tried osso bucco, and it was like, wow, what's this? It was like an English stew and osso bucco, Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of, you know, a corned beef. That, once or twice a year that perfect cold day that you do the corned beef and the mashed potato and the onion sauce and the peas and carrots and you know that's something special too
0: nice and so just to finish off with we did mention about the young ones coming through with their different mindset and so on but um what would your advice be to young people who are considering becoming chefs
1: it's it's a passion and a lot of the time, when I sit down with with them um, to talk about it, I'll try and talk them out of it. Because if you haven't got it, um, it sticks out after a while, and it just becomes a drudge. Um, it's a beautiful industry if you if you you need to immerse yourself out of it. It's into it from other areas. Like you know, I'd say the you know, the young ones. You know, especially restaurants. When I was doing the restaurant thing, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, you're busy. You're not going to see your friends. You're not going to go to your friends' twenty first. You'll make new friends. You'll, you know, you'll make friends with waiters and waitresses and kitchen people. Uh, you'll make new, but your older friends you'll sort of drift away a little bit from because that's what that happens in the industry. Um, you've really still got to enjoy serving people, not being a servant, but serving people and giving them that, that um, expectation. Um, my son's a chef and I tried my hardest to talk him out of it and, and he's, he's actually very good. Um, but uh, it's, it's hard to... It's, I've had some older guys come through as an apprentices and some young ones come through and I would sit with them and I, you know, I'd tell them all the worst things that could happen and a couple of them have really gone really well. Like I've had uh, one of my apprentices we um, worked in Mugritz, which was the third best restaurant in the world. And then the next one, worked at Noma, which was the best restaurant in the world the year after. So I just got... we well, still got to find the second best. Um, but then I had one that... got, or well, Two of them that got to the third year of their apprenticeship back when it was four years and left because it just wasn't right for them. And I sort of could tell them at that at the start, but, you know, it's hard. Uh, the, money's not, the money's not great. It's just... It's just... Uh, you make a great lifestyle, but the money's... For a small percentage is a good lifestyle but there's some you know I don't know how to explain it to them other than if it's your passion and, and, you, and you think you can do it and you'll have fun but I still have fun and make sure that everyone around them has fun you know um, and that's part of being the big group so they too enjoy every time we have a function it's an enjoyable event yeah, yeah. thank you so
0: much <laughs> so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Neil Rock from the Commons Collective if you want to experience all the greatness for yourself which of course you do you can check out at underscore the Commons Collective all one word on Instagram and I'd probably go to their website as well because that's where they've got all of the events that are happening over winter um, as for me I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithchef.com. Do you know how much I would love it if you told a friend about my chats? So, a lot. Um, And of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.